Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to Psalm 86 and reading for our text, verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Psalm 86 and verse 11. Again, in the series, The Way, and this time, Thy Way, the Lord's Way. This is a psalm of David, and this is his prayer. Teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. May we be persuaded that the Lord does have a way, that, as the Lord says, that my ways are higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. Man's ways are different than the Lord's ways, and there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We need to be delivered from the thought that there is no real one way, but any way will do, because the scriptures make it very clear that the Lord does have a way, a plan, a purpose, and those that have been brought to know the Lord, love the Lord, their desire has been, like David, that he might be taught and know the way of the Lord. The text comes in a prayer of David. And I want to notice firstly how David expresses himself. Remember, this is a man after God's own heart a man that already does know and fear the Lord, know the Lord's blessing in a soul, will never make a man arrogant or unteachable, but will always humble that person. When one is lifted up in pride, even in the things of the Lord, is not a good sign. David says here, Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. He testifies not of material poverty, no doubt, but spiritual poverty and need. The real and true state of man is needy. And the Lord told that in in the parable of the vine that ye cannot bear fruit of yourself. The branch cannot, except it abide in the vine. Neither can ye, except ye abide in me. Without me ye can do nothing. The people of God are to be a dependent people. The children of Israel through the wilderness were dependent on the water out of the rock, dependent upon the manna from heaven day by day. And we are taught in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day 
our daily bread, not a stock in hand, not a store at all. And then the desire of the psalmist that his soul be preserved. And he gives the reason for I am holy. That is not uh, that he viewed himself as not sinless, as holy in himself like God is holy, but as we have it in the margin, or one whom thou favourest, the people of God are a holy people because they are sanctified by the Lord. They are a special people unto the Lord and they are indeed in the sight of the Lord, not in themselves, but in God's purposes. They are a holy people as seen in the Lord Jesus Christ. And David testifies that the Lord is his God. Thou art my God, O thou my God. He testifies that he is a servant, one that does serve his God. Save thy servant. He testifies that he trusts in the Lord, that trusteth in thee. And he bears witness that he is looking for mercy, and mercy is not deserved. Mercy cannot be deserved. And so he's asking for mercy. Be merciful unto me, O Lord. And he is testifying of a constant crying, a constant prayer to the Lord. I cry unto thee daily. And he also testifies where his rejoicing and gladness is to be found, where the Lord blesses him, lifts up his soul. That's where his rejoicing is. And then he gives testimony of what he views in the Lord as being good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy upon all them that call upon thee. And so he bears testimony to himself, to the Lord, and to what he is looking for and expecting from the Lord. What a wonderful testimony of the Lord he gives. Verse 8, Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. He has a very, very high view of the Lord and of his works. And then he comes to the text, having stated that the Lord is great and doest wondrous things. He now has laid the foundation for believing and knowing the Lord has a way, has a plan, has a purpose, and he desires to be taught that way. David is not alone in this. Very early in the path with Saul, the Apostle Paul as he was, when the Lord met with him on the Damascus road, one of his first utterances there on the road, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? In other words, there is a way, thy way, a way that I am to know, I am to walk in. And that was the Apostle Paul's desire. It was also Moses in Exodus chapter 33, Show me now thy way, leading the children of Israel. They had just sinned in the matter of the golden calf, and the Lord had shown mercy, the Lord had shown a way that he 
would fulfill the law, rewrite those broken tables, put them in the ark, a beautiful type of himself. Christ has fulfilled the law and made it honourable. And to have the Lord's goodness pass before them in the way. Now Moses did not want to go any way. He wanted to be shown the Lord's way. Later on in Moses' life, when he had not sanctified the Lord before the congregation, in smiting the rock twice, in bringing water out of the rock, the Lord's way was that he should not go into the land of Canaan. Moses found that very hard. He wanted to go that way and he had to be brought submissive that he would see the land afar off, but he would not go into it. And the Lord gave the reason of what he had done at the waters of strife. Of course, symbolically, Moses is setting forth the law. It's not the law that brings the people of God to heaven. It is the gospel. And so it was Joshua, Jesus, that brought the children of Israel into the land of Canaan, not Moses. The law by Moses came, but grace and truth by Jesus Christ. The law, a schoolmaster unto Christ. But Moses had to be brought submissive, not only to know, but to walk in the way of the Lord. And when we think of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, submissive unto his Father's will, and really such an example to us of the way of the Lord, not my way, but thy way. And I want to look this evening then at the three headings that are set forth in our text. The first is a way that is taught, and that way is thy way. The second is a way that is to be walked. The same way, the Lord's way, I will walk in thy truth. And then thirdly, a way where the heart is wholly fearing the Lord. Not divided, not part, but wholly. Unite my heart to fear thy name. But firstly, a way that is to be taught. The psalmist in Psalm 77 uh, testifies that the Lord's way is in the sanctuary. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary, who is so great a God as our God. Psalm 77 and verse 13. And predominantly... The way of the teaching of the Lord for his people is to be in the house of God, is to be taught the ways of the Lord through his word, through preaching, through the assembly of the people of God, through being with them, following them. The Apostle Paul, he says, Be ye followers of me, 
as I also am of Christ, imitators of the Lord and of his people. The promise is that all thy children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be the peace of thy children. But specifically it is with us here is to know the way of the Lord, how the Lord does things, what way he takes. We read in our first reading that thy way, in verse 2, Psalm 67, that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. It is a way that is not hidden, is not a secret, is not that which shall never be known, but is a way that is to be known, but it is to be taught. Many will speak against the things of the Lord who have never taken the time to ask, as in the psalm here, to be taught, or read the word of God, or sat under the ministry of the word. And we are reminded here that if we are to know the way of the Lord, we need to be teachable, we need to be taught the Lord's way. And the way the Lord teaches is both in word and in doctrine and also in experience, that we would experience the truth and if we experience and learn the way of the Lord in that way, then it is a proof that not only we, we're not just standing on the side of the way, learning it in our heads, commenting on it, but actually are walking in the way, that we are in the way. We're not to learn it and then say, well, now let's go and walk in it. Really, the two are going together all the time. As soon as the Lord begins with the sinner, he puts them into the way, and then while in the way, he teaches them and he instructs them. So I want to look at just a few of the ways that are distinctly the way of the Lord. Now first is this, the way of putting away sin. Sin entered into the world and death by sin. And it is the Lord that has decided how it shall be put away, how it shall be dealt with, and everything concerning the dealing with sin that is the cause and reason of the sentence of death, the wrath of God, and the condemnation that we all are under. And the Lord's way has been right from the start. It should be a way of substitution. It would never be a way that fallen man, sinful man, would then orchestrate his own salvation and own redemption. He is dead in trespasses and sins. He is lost. He is under the sentence of death. He can by no means redeem his own soul. And so the Lord's way is immediately then to provide a ransom, to provide a substitute, to provide another, even his only begotten Son, God himself, to be made flesh and dwell among us, 
and he should on behalf of his people suffer in their place, pay their debt, remove the wrath of God from them, fulfil the law on their behalf. He is the one that is to bring in an everlasting righteousness. And this is the Lord's way. Thy way. Abraham saw it when he took Isaac off the altar and placed the ram in his stead. Abraham saw Christ's day and rejoiced at it. The way of the Lord of putting away sin is through the sacrifice of himself. And right through the Old Testament, one could not lose sight right from Abel's sacrifice that again and again was pointed to what would be God's way, thy way, of putting away sin. Very clear declarations, of course. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. But when we have sacrifice after sacrifice, offering after offering of the blood of bulls and of goats that we're told in Hebrews could never put away sin. It was all pointing to that one Lamb of God, that John Baptist, he came and pointed to Jesus of Nazareth, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. This is thy way. Teach me thy way, O Lord. May we know that way, way of substitution, a way that is completely outside of ourselves, the finished work of our Lord and Saviour upon Calvary's tree, the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. But we are to also know another way, thy way of making over to individuals that which was done at Calvary, or how the Lord calls his people. When they come into this world, they are born in sin, shapen in iniquity. What is the Lord's way of bringing them from death to life, bring them from enemies to God, at peace to be at peace with God, to bring them from going their own way to going the Lord's way? And we know that God uses many different means and ways to accomplish this. But the Lord's way is clearly set forth as to what is done is a sinner returns to the Lord. From being walking away from the Lord, he is brought to turn to him. And that's described as the new birth, being born again. It is described as being regenerated. It is described as being converted. It is described as being called. It is described as being quickened. Ye who were dead in trespasses sins hath he quickened. By grace ye say through faith that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. So what the Lord does 
is a complete new work, making a new creature in Christ Jesus. It's a new birth, a spiritual birth, giving spiritual ears, hearing ears, seeing eyes, understanding heart, a teachable spirit. It is the Lord that gives life. I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of mine hand. Now the Lord uses many ways to bring that about. Predominantly he uses his holy word. For faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. He brings a people under the sound of the gospel and into contact with his holy word. It is absolutely vital because creation, though it testifies of the creator, a man is without excuse because of that, creation itself cannot reveal the saviour, it cannot reveal God's way of saving through his only begotten son. May we really prize the word of God. May we bless the day that ever we were brought to hear it, to read it, to view it as the only way whereby we are shown the way of the Lord. You must be very clear on this, that there is no other repository of truth than the word of God. There's no other way in which we can know the counsel of the Lord, the will of the Lord, the purpose of the Lord, the Lord's way, than through the word of God. That is the Lord's way of making his way known, is to give his word. The Lord gave the word, great was the company that published it, and the Thessalonians, the word came not in word only, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So the way of the Lord, and I hope there are those of us here that have learned it, we walk in it, that the Lord is teaching us, has taught us his way through the word of God. In that way we've had it re reinforced to us that if ever we are to know more of the ways of the Lord and understand the ways of the Lord, it is through the word of God. The Lord would shine upon it, bless the ministry of it, lead us into it, and that we might behold wondrous things out of thy law, out of the book of the Lord. Seek ye out of the book of the Lord and read. And so we have the calling of God's people through the word of God, through that entering into their hearts, being quickened into divine life, and then the Lord using his word in many other ways. It is the Lord's way then to use the word in teaching and instructing in the way. It is the Lord's way of keeping the people of God, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word.
the way the Lord keeps his people who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It is that which keeps our feet and keeps us in the Lord's ways. As soon as we remove away from the word of God, we're going away from the Lord's way. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I would really emphasise this, that there is no teaching of the Lord's way apart from the word of God. If there is a false teacher comes and points to anything outside of the inspired, infallible word of God, they cannot know the way of the Lord that way because the way of the Lord is to teach and instruct through his holy word and we are forbidden to add to it or to subtract from it it is complete that a man of God might be thoroughly furnished unto all good works the apostle Peter he says and he likens the words of being a more sure word of prophecy, more sure than the wondrous vision he had on the Mount of Transfiguration, which ye do well, he says, to take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day star rise in your hearts. The word of God is a light, a lamp unto our feet. The Lord's way. So the Lord has his way, the way that he saves, the way that he puts away sin, the way that he teaches, the Lord's way that we are to worship him. He that worshippeth the Lord must worship him in spirit and in truth. It is a way of reverence. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints, to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. It is a way of gathering together where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. It is a way that is to be known by fellowship and love by the people of God. Hereby shall all men know that ye are my disciples indeed in that ye love one another. And it is the Lord's way then that the people of God should observe the ordinances that he has given them, the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper for those that believe on his name. This is the Lord's way. And I hope that this prayer of David is our prayer in this, that we might be taught and know the way of the Lord. And our prayer is teach me thy way, O Lord. And it would imply here with David, it is an ongoing thing because it not just relates to the way of salvation and to our souls, but in all that we do in our lives, wherever we go, where we worship, where we have our homes, where we live, all the things that we do, 
It is good for us to know that the Lord has a plan, a purpose, and a way that he'd have us to go. We have the promise in Psalm 32, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, I will guide thee with mine eye. And we are warned about saying that we're going to go into a city and buy and sell and uh, do things there, in that you should say, if the Lord will, we'll do this or that. Because we are to be mindful that the Lord has his way. And if we are his people, then he will be the guide. And if we have the same persuasion as David, that the Lord is great, as in verse 10, and doest wondrous things, and that thou art God alone, then we'll want to know that way, the way that comes from such a great God, such a God that doeth wonders, and that is God alone. And it's a beautiful testimony and an assurance to us that the Lord is teaching us his way or leading us in his way when, like with Moses, the Lord does cause his goodness to pass before us in the way. We do see wondrous things. We do see his provision. We do see his help. We do see his choice. And sometimes that is different than ours, but afterwards we can see the Lord's choice is better and was better than ours. So the Lord's way is a way that is to be taught. My mind is going to uh, the epistles of John and in the first epistle and, and chapter 2, we read this about the anointing which ye have received of him. And the verse prior to that is, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things and is truth and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. The Lord's way, the people abiding in Christ, the people taught by him, cleaving to him. We mentioned before of the parable of the vine and the vital necessity of being united to that living vine, united to Christ. Well, I want to then look, secondly, at what David the psalmist says he will do, and that is, I will walk in thy truth. It is the way of the Lord that is a way that his people are to walk not just a theory, is not just something that is thought about or reasoned, it actually affects what they do. Be ye doers of the word, says James, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. He especially likens it to a true faith, and he gives Abraham as an example 
And he says, was not Abraham justified when he offered up Isaac his son? If Abraham had just said, I believe God, I believe that he could raise up my son from the dead if he was offered up, but didn't go to Mount Moriah, where would his faith be? But he did go. And it is the, the actual doing, the proof of it. Where would we be in salvation if we had the promises of Christ, but Christ never came? Or Christ never suffered? The people of God are not just to have a faith just in a, a knowledge, but it is to be seen in their walk and in their contract and what they actually do, putting into practice that which they have been taught of the Lord's way. The Apostle says, Ye are not your own, ye are bought with a price. Wherefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are his. One vital ingredient of the a true conversion is repentance. Repentance is turning, is changing, is going in a different direction. And that is the way that we are to walk. And David here is very clear. Instead of saying, which he could have done, I will walk in thy way, he says, I will walk in thy truth. Because that is the way that we are to walk. And again, it is coming to the word of God. What is truth? Reality that is as it is perceived by God. And the word of God declares very plainly, thy word is truth. And our Lord says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So David is testifying that he will walk in the word of the Lord and he will walk after the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 10, the Lord says, when he, the good shepherd, puts forth his sheep, then the sheep, they know his voice, they follow him. David knew much of that. He was a shepherd. He would have known what it was to go before the sheep, for the sheep to know his voice and to follow him. It was not the sheep's way. He chose the way. He appointed their pastures. He was the one that brought them where it would profit them, where it would be a blessing to them. And that's why we read in Psalm 23, a psalm of David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And it is a path that is walked, but the Lord is leading in it. When he putteth forth his sheep, he goeth before them. And so this is a way that is to be walked and is walked in submission to the Lord. Sometimes it is very sorely tried. In Psalm 
44, which was for the sons of Korah, a masculine teaching psalm. We have in verse 18, Our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined from thy way, though thou hast sore broken us in the place of dragons and covered us with the shadow of death. If we have forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a strange God, shall not God search this out? For he knoweth the secrets of the heart. Sometimes we can have, like dear Job, many severe trials and Satan's thought is, well, this person, they just follow the Lord for loaves and fishes, for his protection, his care over them. Touch all that he has and he will curse thee. He won't still continue in thy ways. But God permitted Job to be tried and then upheld his faith. He continued in the way of the Lord and it was so here with Psalm 44. All this is come upon us, yet have we not forgotten thee, neither have we dealt falsely in thy covenant Our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined from thy way. Our steps or goings, as in the margin. If we are walking in the way of the Lord, it will be in very practical things in our lives, all that we do and what we say, the choices that we make and where we go, and what we do. And we need to often ask ourselves, is this the way of the Lord? The way that we're walking and what we're doing? Or it is, is it the way of my own deceitful heart? Or is it the way of the world? Or is it, is it the way of Satan? Or is it a way that just seemeth right? But is it the way of the Lord? that I am walking in. Well, the third thing that David brings before us and I would bring before us is a way where the Lord is holy for you. The heart is not divided. It is a one purpose in the fear of the Lord. Unite my heart to fear thy name. You know, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And we might have the fear of the Lord, but at the same time, the fear of man bringing us near, or our own evil heart. Or we can be like the children of Israel, where the fear of the Lord was taught by the precepts of men. And what is meant there was they professed to be serving the Lord But how they served him was by their own precepts, own teaching, own ways. They made their own rules. Our Lord, when he was upon earth, charged the scribes and the Pharisees that they laid men with burdens grievous to be born, laying aside the commandments of God, teaching for doctrines the traditions of men. They had substituted their own thoughts, their own rules and own ways 
for God's ways, though not going in his way, but walking in their own and putting it under the label of the fear of the Lord, as if this was true religion. And we can do that. Say, well, we're a Christian, we're following the Lord, and this is the rules that we're following. But they bear little resemblance to the word of God or to laws, the Lord's way. And so where there is the fear of the Lord, the Lord is real. He is not just an imagined God. He is the true and living God that sees us, that knows us, that understands the thoughts of our heart and the intents of the heart of man. And that fear is, again, something that is taught. David knew it very well when they brought up the ark and Uzzah was smitten as he put his hand to steady the ark, choosing to follow the example of the Philistines in carrying the ark upon a cart instead of on the shoulders of the Levites. And David then, he feared the Lord, this Lord that could slay in a moment, this God that insisted upon walking in his way and observing his way of carrying the ark and so the ark went aside to the house of Obed-Edom. But then the Lord showed the other side, and he blessed the house of Obed-Edom. And then David was encouraged to bring up the ark to Jerusalem. The two sides of it. The hymn writer says, My soul stands trembling while she sings the honours of her God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, great understanding of they that love thy law. And where there is the fear of the Lord in a childlike filial fear, the, that soul is walking as in the light of the countenance of the Lord. Thou God seest me. And so David's prayer is, unite my heart, make my heart to be united, not a divided heart, Make it to be fully and wholly with the fear of the Lord. Very mindful of the heart being deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. What the Lord said of Nathaniel, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. He was exactly what he was before the Lord and before men. He wasn't being a subtle man, a deceitful man, a man that the outside was clean, but the inside full of den of thieves. No, he was an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. And this is what David desires, a united heart to fear thy name. So may we have this same prayer, the same desire, the way of the Lord, thy way, not mine. And when it is tried, and when we find the Lord's ways are not according as our ways, may we be able to have the word of our Lord, nevertheless not my will, but thy will be done. And to esteem the Lord's way as to being the right way, the good way, the way that we desire to walk in. Teach me thy way, O Lord, 
I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Amen.